Hey, Teresa, are you ready to record a podcast? Glass, china, and reputation are easily cracked and never well-mended. Yeah, that that doesn't really apply to this. It's Schmanners! husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. I think that uh, we had a, a nice Thanksgiving. And yes. I And I was thinking. Okay. I was thinking after the last episode where we mentioned the turkey and Benjamin Franklin. I remember this. That we might want to delve into that a little more closely. Because that fool loved turkeys. Yes. Well, you'll find out. Okay, so maybe. Let me see if I understand this correctly. Uh, You might be hinting at that history is not exactly how I understand it. With this whole (laughs) Benjamin Franklin thing. Right. Well, the truth is, he was a prolific writer. Um, and he did say a lot of things about a lot of things, but sometimes he didn't say the things we think he said. I, my knowledge of Benjamin Franklin is as follows. I, what I know about him as a little kid is from this alternate reality sci-fi book series in which there's like kind of science, but it's magic kind of thing where Benjamin Franklin is apprentice, apprenticed to uh newton and it's not real at all but i that's as much as i know about him as a kid he's from fake made up stuff and then he's suddenly in my mind 80 years old and helping <laughs> uh draft the declaration of independence and singing a bunch of songs in the musical 1776 this oh. is as much as i know about benjamin franklin please tell me anything else about him okay so benjamin franklin Did a lot of moving around as an adult. So before Benjamin Franklin really did any of his work uh, with the Congress, um, either drafting things like the Constitution or or the Stamp Act or anything like that, um, he worked in a print shop under his older brother. So he had access to make his... uh, his sage and and wise sayings uh, widespread. Gotcha. Um, in addition to all his work during, you know, all the revolutionary stuff, he um, became the first postmaster general of the United States. I had, I had no idea. I didn't okay, know that. I feel, like that I, I feel like that I knew. Oh, yeah? I didn't know that. I guess I'd always thought that he was just kind of a... An emissary, like a diplomat? Well, see, here's the thing. I I assumed that he must be super duper, like his resume must be ridiculous. Because as far as I know, he's like the only person on as of right now that I can think of. And, you know, this is not including like, you know, uh, more recent uh, currency changes. But he's the only guy I can think of on a like bill that is not a president. Mm-hmm. He's on that hundo. Yep, that's you know what I mean? true. So his like contributions 
to America must be off the charts. Well, not only uh, all the other things that we already mentioned, he was an inventor as well. Uh, he invented the Franklin stove, which is an iron stove um, that allows heating of homes and cooking with less wood than had been used before. Um, he also invented bifocals. And he invented kites and keys. No. And mm. lightning. Nope. He didn't, didn't, didn't do that stuff. The kite thing is largely a myth as well. No, 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 Teresa. No. Are you telling me that in real life, a grown man did not tie a key to a kite, fly it in the air and go, oh, my God, electricity. I've done it. You're welcome. He says that he did. There really isn't any kind of proof, though. Okay. Okay. So it might be true. It's probably not. I hear what you're saying. It's probably not. But there's like a 5% chance that it's true. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Keep the dream alive, folks. So here's my question. Is this the type of thing where the reason I don't know much about like his like childhood and young manship is because like he was just a regular dude apprenticed with people and not really like I feel like there's all this information about like young George Washington and stuff and young Abraham Lincoln but was Benjamin Franklin just a regular dude or was he mixing it up when he was a kid too well I mean there actually is a lot of information about Benjamin Franklin before he did all of the big stuff but I think that the thing is the big stuff he did really overshadows all of his regularness Uh like um, he was friends with uh with famous European thinkers such as David Hume and uh, Joseph Priestley, um, Jonathan Williams, William Alexander, all these these people are like uh, physicians and uh, naturalists of the day, and like all, these were all his contemporaries, and he was he was friends with them, and we know that he was a vegetarian. That's another like normal thing. Well, I mean, he was a vegetarian for a long time. Um, I guess technically. For, for most of his life, he was, you call it a, a pescatarian? That's when you eat fish and eggs, mm-hmm. too, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to a pescatarian, which is the one who just goes around bugging everyone, telling them about what kind of foods they eat. No? Nothing? Nope. That got me a pretty significant eye roll, folks. I mean, he got married. He had kids. Um, like, he was, he, he was also a normal dude. Does that answer your question? Okay, sort of. What? Okay, let's let's. He start, had a dog. Let's start with the basics. He was born. Uh huh. Maybe in seventeen oh six. Maybe in seventeen oh five. I'm looking on Wikipedia here, and they say that it was maybe one of those two. It's. Uh. uh according to the Benjamin Franklin Institute. He was born in 1706, January 17th in Boston. He was known what uh, he was what is known as a polymath, which is something I had not heard before now. But according to Wikipedia, a polymath is a person whose expertise spans a significant number of different subject areas, um, which explains why he was. Well, that makes sense. He was an inventor and a writer and a diplomat and all of that stuff. Um, let's see. 
Yeah, here's what I wanted to look at. The, the reason I'm looking at all this now is okay. because normally that's my drum. Yeah, well, there was a name that popped in my head that I remembered from the fakey sci-fi book series thing, okay. which was Silence Do Good. And I was like, wait, what is that? What does that have to do with Benjamin Franklin? And it was the Silence Do Good letters, which were like letters to the editor kind of thing that he sent to the New England Current um, under the pen name Mrs. Silence Do Good when he was like, you know, 16, 17 years old, because he tried to get them printed under his own name and no one would print them. So he came up with the fake person, Mrs. Silence Do Good. Hmm. Which, okay, hey, I know that this was like old timey history stuff, but who, who got these letters and saw the name Mrs. Silence Do Good and went, this is a real person. That's, oh, that's I don't totally know. a I real mean, name. I mean, a lot of names at that point were, were things like, uh, gracious and constants and 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 things like that. It's a very Puritan tradition. Mm-hmm. Okay. So oh, this is so weird. Okay. Okay. Sorry, one gonna, last thing. One last thing. <laughs> the way that he did the letters is he would print them and then stick them under the door of his brother's print shop. So that they would find them and be like, huh, another one. It's like, wait, hold on. You wrote that and stuck it under your own door. You weirdo. But anyways, that's how he got the silence do-good letters pr- uh, uh, printed. Um, briefly, some of the other things that he is known for. He is credited with discovering the Gulf Stream. Okay. So I, I, a lot of these go into that sort of um, expertise of many areas. Uh, he is credited with also starting the first volunteer fire company in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. He helped create the first subscription library in the colonies, which was called the Library Company of Philadelphia. He bought the struggling Pennsylvania Gazette and made it profitable, mostly through Poor Richard's Almanac, which we will talk about in a little bit. It's dudes like this... And, well, I guess I should say people like this. It's people like this because I think it spans. There are many people throughout history whose lives I look at and they accomplish all of these things. And it's not like I sit there and go, how does someone accomplish something? Because like, yeah, you dedicate your life. Like Marie Curie, you know, dedicate your life to something makes sense. But Ben Franklin was like, I'm going to try a little bit of this and I'm going to be a little bit of that. I'm going to own a newspaper and also discover the Gulf Stream and also be a postmaster. I guess. Like, it's this is like the TV show The Pretender. Like, how did he find time well, to he do didn't, all this stuff? He didn't do it all at once. Well, I mean, obviously, but I mean, was he just doing each thing for like a week at a time <laughs> and then getting bored and going, "I don't want to own a newspaper anymore. What's next?" Um, maybe it's because he didn't have TV. Oh, uh, well. Also, didn't he do a weird sleep pattern thing where he slept for like three hours, then was awake? For I long? have heard that. I did not encounter any research to prove otherwise, but. I've heard that. Well, maybe that's how he did. Maybe if we all just stop sleeping, we could all be the postmaster general. Huh? Huh? So, uh, what else? His testimony helped repeal the Stamp Act in 1766, which, uh, according to my reading, was, uh, was quite prominently featured in one of the reasons why the colonies declared independence, that Stamp Act. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a vocal opponent of slavery and served as president of the Pennsylvania Society for Promoting the Abolition of Slavery. All right. So what I really want to talk about what I, is 
the turkey idea. He loved those. He's crazy about them. Number okay. one fan. Well, so in our last episode, we talked about how we had thought that he wanted turkey to be the national bird. And it's not, not quite that. What it is, uh-huh. what I found out, is that the Continental Congress assigned uh, the task of designing a seal, like the official kind of emblem, right? So not picking a national bird like every state has a state bird, but uh, the national seal. Um, and they assigned it to a committee of Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and John Adams, right? Oh, so that's like a real thing. Like the song. Okay. Yeah. There's a, those are the three main dudes in 1776. Mm-hmm. And they have like a whole song about like the egg. And they talk about birds and everything. So that's they actually do. based on historical fact. That's interesting. Um, so and each of the men... They kind of like divided and conquered, right? So each one made up their own proposal for a seal. And they were all really bad, Travis. Okay, please tell me about them. So Adam submitted a painting of a young Hercules. Cool, cool John. Cool, John O. <laughs> and Hercules was depicted choosing between a flowery path of self-indulgence and a rugged uphill way of duty to others. Okay, okay, wait, 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 Jono, how do you depict a rough uphill way to duty to others? I don't know. What, John? I'm not exactly sure. I guarantee, like, he handed that in and everybody went, why is this guy looking at two roads? And he's like, no, it's Hercules. (laughs) Okay, cool. But why is he looking at two roads? No, but, okay, do you know how much it will cost us to recreate this a bajillion times? That's a good point. So, one of the reasons why it didn't get picked. Um, Jefferson submitted an image involving the children of Israel lost in the wilderness. uh, Interesting. Being trailed by a cloud and a pillar of fire. Interesting. Very biblical. But that's weird coming from Jefferson. I thought he was like a... a, a, I didn't know he was a a very religious man. And that seems like a very religious uh, choice. And also... Cool. I don't know what that has to do with the American government. Um, I'm I'm sure he had his reasons. Sure, sure. Uh, and then at that time, Franklin submitted a drawing of Moses standing on the shore, backlit by rays from that pillar of fire, while an Egyptian pharaoh and soldiers <laughs> were depicted as drowning in the waves of the parted Red Sea. Okay, so either Jefferson was looking over Franklin's shoulder, or Franklin was looking over Jefferson's. Okay, cool, cool. Franklin, what, 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 huh? That just seems like such a complicated seal. It would have to, at all times, be at least six feet wide to get all of the detail in there. And also, now you're just recreating a scene from the Bible. That's not a seal. A seal. <sighs> Okay, for example, the West Virginia state seal is like mm-hmm. a mountaineer and like uh, a miner or something standing together at a rock, and the rock has the founding date of West Virginia on it. Okay. That's it. It's not like a scene. It's not like them walking into a store together and choosing which loaf of bread you'd be. It's just two dudes and a rock and maybe some like flowers and stuff around the rock. That's it. 
that there was no pillar of fire and pharaohs and soldiers and waves. You're blowing my mind, well, old timey founders. I again reiterate that's why they didn't choose them because they're not easily described and depicted and and not easily understood. It reminds me of the episode, I think it's the camel of Parks and Rec, where they're trying to design a new mural and like uh, Mark designs a mural that's just like a man in a park feeding pigeons and everybody else is like, yeah, but that doesn't... And he's like, no, trust me. <laughs> it just needs to be <laughs> neutral. Nothing. Ma- takes no stand. Makes no statement. It'll get picked. Because like all three of these, they make a weird statement and they're taking a weird stance. <sighs> Franklin had a second idea. Uh, which incorporate which he enumerated in an anonymous letter to the Pennsylvania Journal in 1775. He thought about maybe suggesting using a rattlesnake on the coat of arms. Um, he said that the rattlesnake never begins an attack, nor once engaged, never surrenders. Is- so. I mean, and it has been popularized in the Don't Tread on Me flag. Mm -hmm. I don't know if one necessarily has anything to do with the other, but there you go. You know what most surprises me about that? That he was doing this in 1775. Feels presumptuous. They hadn't won anything yet. And from what I remember, weren't doing so great at that point as far as the war goes. But they were still sitting down to figure out what the new national seal was going to be. That's optimism. I respect that immensely. So, the reason that we think Benjamin Franklin was not all about the bald eagle and more about the turkey is from a letter that he wrote to his daughter in 1784. He was actually talking about the medal of the Society of the Cincinnati. Oh, Cincinnatus. The Sons of Cincinnatus. Yes, yes, yes. Um. So where this medal depicted a bald eagle that some people thought the eagle looked a little more like a turkey than an eagle. Wait, was was Ben Franklin a, a member of the Cincinnati? The Sons of Cincinnati? Uh, for those of you who don't know, and I learned this because we lived in Cincinnati, the reason Cincinnati is called Cincinnati is there's a, uh, I believe, Greek uh, story about this guy named Cincinnatus who was a... Uh, was a farmer who got called up to be a general and he did just a real bang up job. And they were like, Hey, you did so good. Do you want to lead us now? And he said, Nope, I was just doing my duty. And he went back to being a farmer and it became this template for people. uh, The idea of like, you do what you do to help the country and to help the government and do your civic duty, not for, you know, prizes and accolades, but because it is your duty. And there was this whole organization called the Sons of Cincinnati, and George Washington was one, which many believe is one of the big reasons why he stepped down instead of being president for life, is that idea of he did his duty, he did his civic duty, and then he wanted to return to being a farmer uh, back at his home. Um, and that's why the guy who founded Cincinnati was a son of Cincinnati, and that is why it's called Cincinnati. I'm not certain if he was a member. Anyway... He wrote in this letter. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, enough of your rambling, husband. (laughs) He wrote in this letter to his daughter, and this is a little long, but it contains some, some gems, I think. For my own part, I wish the eagle had not been chosen as the representative of our country. He is a bird of bad moral character. He does not get his living honestly. You may have seen him perched on some dead tree near the river where, too lazy to fish for himself, he watches the labor of the fishing hawk 
and when the diligent bird has at length taken a fish and is bearing it to his nest for the support of his maiden young ones, the eagle pursues him and takes it from him. With all this injustice, he is never in good case, but like those among men who live by sharping and robbing, he is generally poor and often very lousy. Besides, he is a rank coward. The little king bird, not bigger than a sparrow, attacks him boldly and drives him out of the district. He is therefore by no means a proper emblem for the brave and honest Cincinnati of America who have driven all the king birds from our country. I am on this account not displeased that the figure is is not known as an eagle, but looks more like a turkey. For the truth is, the turkey is in comparison as much more a respectable bird. A, withal, a true original native of America, he is besides, through, though a little vain and silly, a bird of courage and would not hesitate to attack a grenadier of the British guards who would presume to invade his farmyard with a red coat on. Okay, so that is the origin of... That's of- the thing. That's like, he's like... I'm actually kind of glad it looks like a turkey. The turkey is cooler than the bald eagle. Well, listen, I want to say, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I totally get where he's coming from. I, I I know now that we've got over 200 years of, like, the eagle being associated with the American bird. I totally get that. But, like, the way he describes it, he lays out a pretty solid case against the eagle. Um, but still, an eagle just looks way cooler than a turkey. Does it, end of the day, what's going to be cooler in a picture is, is the eagle. I don't know. I mean, the turkey has some pretty grand plumage. Turkey's got a weird face, though. Yes, it does have a strange face, but the feathers are pretty. I guess that's true. If we could combine an eagle head and turkey (laughs) plumage, listen, it would be weird. Um, weird. We're going to be right back, and we're going to talk about all of uh, his almanacs and why he has to do with uh, etiquette and that kind of thing. But first, uh, we have a sponsor this week that we would like to write a thank you note to. We would like to say thank you to Harry's for sponsoring Schmanners this week. Um, you may or may not know about Harry's. Uh, I can't remember if we've talked about Harry's on this program before, but maybe you've heard about it in another program. Here's the thing. When you think about shaving and, and buying blades for your razor, you probably think, yeah, I got to go to the store. Got to get somebody to open that weird like acrylic case. Um, and I feel like they don't trust me. I'm trying to find somebody. I'm pushing a button. I got to stand there when all I need to do is get razor blades. And then they cost like a bajillion dollars. Well, Harry's has a better option for you. Um, and it's to buy your razor blades and your razors online for much cheaper. Um, this holiday, uh, we, well, I don't really shave. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> pictures of me, but when I do, I use Harry's. Teresa uses Harry's. I shave and I I really enjoy the Harry's set that we've been given. It's a beautiful holiday gift set. Um, and, you know, it's really great that you can get it personalized. Yeah. I thought that was really awesome. Um, it's, a, it's a really great gift set. It comes with everything that you need. It comes with uh, blades and extra cartridges of blades. It comes with a beautiful, nice, heavy, solid handle. And it comes with some really great shave cream, too, which is luxurious and smells delicious. And it comes in, like, a pretty gift box. So, like, it's pretty... All you have to do is throw a bow on there, and you're done. And it's only $30 on harrys.com. Um, they also offer, if you're looking, you're like, mm, $30. Oh, they also offer handles and starting sets uh, at just $10 if you haven't already tried. So go check that out. Now, here's the thing. It's a special offer for fans of this show. We've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off your order when you enter code SCHMANNERS, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S, at checkout. 
Free shipping ends on December 9th, though. So if you want to get it, go do that now. Enter the code SCHMANNERS. Get $5 off your order uh, at harrys.com. Get that limited edition holiday shave set. Uh, maybe get it for yourself, get it for a loved one, whatever. Uh, just make sure to use that coupon code SCHMANNERS to get $5 off. Harry's.com, code SCHMANNERS. Hi, everybody. I'm Justin McElroy. And I'm Dr. Sydney McElroy. Every week, we release a medical history podcast called Sawbones. We go over the history of the dumbest, grossest, weirdest stuff humans have been doing to each other since the dawn of mankind. But it's a funny show. But it's also so disgusting and stomach-turning, you won't believe it. But it's also, like, <laughs> funny. It's funny. It is the wildest, grossest, nastiest stuff you can imagine. It's a real hoot. It's called Sawbones, and we release it every week on iTunes, wherever podcasts are sold, and right here on MaximumFun.org. Creativity, comedy, and new friends are waiting for you at MaxFunCon 2017. MaxFunCon West returns to Lake Arrowhead in June, and MaxFunCon East is back in the Poconos in September. Don't miss a stellar lineup of hilarious comedians, live podcast recordings of your favorite MaxFun shows, and an embarrassment of amazing classes to choose from. Tickets for MaxFunCon East and West go on sale Friday, November 25th. Don't miss your chance to be part of an unforgettable weekend. Visit MaxFunCon.com to buy your tickets on November 25th. Okay, so this fool, this <laughs> Bam Franklin fellow, he wrote just a ton of, like, almanacs and stuff. No, okay, he wrote... Like, a billion, <laughs> like, 18,000. He was always writing almanacs. He wrote an annual almanac. That's still better than me. That's still one more than I'm doing a year. Called Poor Richard's Almanac, and he wrote it um, the years 1733 through 1758. I just want to say, Benjamin Franklin seems like the type of dude to me, like, one, I think he and I would have gotten along very well, but also seems like the type of dude to me that would make up, like, a really bad pun or really, like, corny play on words and just laugh himself silly over it. Like, the fact that it's Poor Richard's Almanac like, he probably thought that was the funniest thing. Like, get it? Because it's rich and poor. And we call him poor rich. Or Do you get it? Why does nobody get this? This is hilarious. That's my Benjamin Franklin impression. Great, great job. Thank you, honey. Um, so it was so widely successful that at the height of its popularity, it sold more than 10,000 copies a year, making it a bestseller, really only second to the Bible in the colonies. I, I have actually heard that, that we think about now, like the ability to look up any bit of information in seconds through the internet. But the idea of like needing a comprehensive guide of like what, you know, the seasons were going to be like when we expect, I mean, I have no idea how they figured all that stuff out. And it was probably mostly made up ahead of time. But that was their, like, reference guide, you know? Mm -hmm. They didn't have a set of, like, Encyclopedia Britannica or something. They didn't have well, Wikipedia. Well, not, not quite yet. I think no. that's the 1800s. And so they were just like, okay, well, we need to know, like, when holidays are, when, you know, the seasons are, what the weather is going to be like, I guess. So um, it can this almanac, in addition to weather and seasons and such, consisted of a hodgepodge of facts and household hints, puzzles, historical tidbits, poems, and other assorted amusements. It feels almost like half 
um, useful information half bathroom reader to me. That's why it sold so well. Because the idea of like, oh, and also, it's not boring. And basically, our lives are 90% boring. We don't have TV. That's the thing. They didn't know what TV was, but they knew they didn't have it. (laughs) But all of these little uh, witty proverb things were mostly put in by Benjamin Franklin as filler. Like it wasn't wasn't kind of the meat and potatoes of this this book, mm-hmm. but it's really what we remember it for today. The aphorisms. Right. And he actually sourced a lot of these from um, Native American traditions, common legends, and other superstitions of the day. You know, Shakespeare. <clears throat> uh, Shakespeare, public speeches, and works of other published author- authors. So he lifted a lot of this stuff, repackaged it, and put it into his own book. That's the thing. I look at some of these. I was reading through a list of his aphorisms, and some of them are like, one word different from like the speech that Laertes gets in Hamlet. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. You changed one word, and 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 you know what? But at the time, I don't. I don't, I'm not. I would not go as far as to like accuse him of plagiarism or anything because these were probably things people were saying colloquially in different places. Right. But it wasn't like somebody made a speech in Massachusetts and you heard about it in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So like you'd hear a thing like, oh, that was pretty clever. More people should know about that. And he'd write it in the almanac. I don't think there was anything untoward about it. I don't think he was stealing anything from anyone. I agree. And before we talk about some of the things that he actually said, I'd like to talk about some of the things he didn't say. Okay. He didn't say... I've hidden a treasure map on the back of the Declaration <laughs> of Independence. No, some of the things that are very commonly attributed to him that are not really oh, okay. what he said. Things like a penny saved is a penny earned. He didn't he didn't really say that specifically. Uh-huh. Um he did, however, write in the 1734 Almanac edition, a penny saved is two pence clear. Cool. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that means. I kind of like a penny saved is a penny earned a little better, but that's not exactly what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, another one: God made beer because He loves us and wants us to be happy. Uh, now, this I've one heard, I've heard that before. One. That yeah, I've heard that before. And I've also heard that he did not say this. Um, he probably didn't say this really even about beer. Um, in a letter to Abbe More, I think it's um Abbe Morlay. Sure. French has got a lot of extra letters in it. Mm-hmm. He mused on some biblical mentions of wine and said, Behold the rain which descends from heaven upon our vineyards. There it enters the roots of the vines to be changed into wine, a constant proof that God loves us and sees us and loves to see us happy. So he was probably talking about wine and it probably wasn't as succinct. It also sounds like he could have also been talking about like, talking about the rain and plants flourishing and God wanting to see us happy. Right. Not necessarily saying, because God wants us to get drunk. And also, was the person he was writing to the owner of the vineyard? Was he flirting with this person? <laughs> it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Um, Another one, show me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. I have heard some sort of reiteration of this, but he also didn't say that either. Um, it was probably a Confucian philosopher named Zun Kang, Zun Yuang. Sure. Again, another name that I butchered because I there's extra letters in there. Uh, from the fourth century BCE. So, so he wasn't yeah. around to be like, hey, wait, I said that. <laughs> exactly. What are you guys saying? No, that's mine. 
Another one that I was surprised to learn is often attributed to Benjamin Franklin is any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, and most uh, fools do. Who actually said it? Dale Carnegie. Okay, cool. Well, we really missed the boat on that one, folks. Well, so here it is. That's another good bio we should do, though. Yeah, it is. Um, So he wrote that in his 1936 bestseller, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And the reason that it's commonly attributed to Benjamin Franklin is because it directly follows another Franklin quote. So the printing was, was like... Probably it just looks like it's attributed to Franklin the way that the page is organized. Gotcha. So what are some things that he actually did say? All right. Well, there really are too many to mention here. (laughs) Um, I actually took the liberty of downloading the entirety of one of the annual printings of Poor Richard's Almanac. And it's extensive. Um. And I, I did skim through a lot of it, but really there's just so much of these these little witticisms and maxims and things like that. Um, I did pick my favorites as they applied to manners. Cool. Throw them out and I'll skim through some of these and see if I can find ones that make no sense. Oh, boy. Uh, money and good manners make the gentleman. Uh, here's one to me that makes no sense. The way to be safe is never to be secure. I dis- I disagree. Um, well, I've heard a thought that goes a little differently from that. I have heard uh, if you something to the effect of if you give up liberty for safety, you deserve neither liberty nor safety. Mm-hmm. I think that he said that sort of. I don't know. I'm perpetuating the myth right now. Give me another one. Ashley did say. Okay. When a friend deals with a friend, let the bargain be clear and well penned. They that they may continue to be friends to the end. That was a little rhymy one. I it like took that me a one. second to figure that out. That makes a lot of sense to me because that is so very succinct of like, okay, if you want to stay friends with somebody, make it be clear about what's going on. Exactly. Um, beware of meat twice boiled. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that makes sense to me um, because maybe if you had to cook it a second time, it's gone bad. Maybe. Maybe. Here's one. When you are good to others, you are best to yourself. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of like the etiquette manner overthought that we usually bring? I think it is. I like this one a lot. This one actually makes a lot of sense to me. The discontented man finds no easy chair. Okay, yeah, sure. And Okay, the reason I like that is this idea of like, I could definitely see this being applied to if somebody's going around the room and they can't find a comfortable chair and like they're complaining about all the chairs. Maybe it's not the chairs and it's just that they are unhappy in life and they're choosing to take it out complaining about the chairs. Or maybe they have rheumatism or hemorrhoids. Well, okay. Also that, Teresa. But you can't make it out. He who finds no solace (laughs) in chairs, I don't know, might have hemorrhoids. (laughs) A quarrelsome man has no good neighbors. Okay. Yes. Yes. A lot of these are kind of just um, observations, it seems. I think the best ones are kind of observations where you go, yeah, that's that makes perfect sense. But that's the thing. I, okay. Here's the thing. A lot of these are really clever. And a lot of them very succinctly convey a very important message. 
But I, just reading through them, a lot of them go, uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's true, cool. Well, I, I told you, I mean, this was kind of like half forecast, half bathroom reader, you know, like just little, little quips to pass the time. This may be my new favorite aphorism I've ever read. Okay. If your head is wax, don't walk in the sun. I don't know what it means. <laughs> I choose to take it literally. And that maybe this is the last one Ben Franklin wrote. And he went, you know what? I'm out. I realize now that I've been babbling for like the last 20 of these. Head is wax. What does that even mean? You know what? I'm going to move on to something else. I'm going to go fly a kite in the rain. Want of care does us more damage than want of knowledge. Okay. I have I have two more. What do you got for me? Let thy maid servant be faithful, strong, and homely. Okay. I faithful, strong, and homely. Visit your aunt, but not every day, and call at your brothers, but not every night. Well, that makes sense. You you know, it's always great to be with your family, but you can be uh you can wear out your welcome as a guest, mm-hmm. even with family. Even with family, you know? Um, if you would have guests marry with cheer, be so yourself, or so at least appear. I like the rhymey ones the best. Yeah, I like those too. I like this because it really calls out some dude named Tim. Tim was so learned that he could name a horse in nine languages, so ignorant that he bought a cow to ride on. I wonder why Tim. I don't know. Maybe he just has a beef with the dude named Tim. But I do like this because what it boils down to is like this condemnation of having a bunch of practice, like having a bunch of like theoretical knowledge and very little practical knowledge Mm -hmm. so that this guy had never seen a horse, but he could say the word horse in nine different languages, but wouldn't recognize one if he saw it. It's like, okay, okay, it's great to know things, but you need to know things and not just like book learning. Okay. And here's my last one. They that won't be counseled can't be helped. I think that is, uh, that's a little reminiscent of um, Emily Poston and Judith Martin, just because it's, we can offer so much to those around us. But the fact is, if people don't want to change, they don't want help, they won't do it. And, um, the best we can do is is to better ourselves and not worry about others, especially if they don't want our help. Um, a lie stands on one leg, truth on two. These are all, I'm just saying, like, he's got I'm, some real club bangers in yeah, there. Yeah, I'm nodding my head in agreement because, I mean, like we talked about, a lot of this stuff is just kind of common sense boiled down to a sentence. But see, what I like about him is, especially at this time, the, this was like the viral memes of their day mm-hmm. you know what i mean these be the reason that you get aphorisms like a penny saved is a penny earned is somebody wrote it which, down which which he didn't actually it didn't say. say but it is way easier to say than it's two pence clear <laughs> but like the reason that we know them now is somebody heard this thing or read this thing early to bed early to rise read it and went oh yeah yeah did you read this early to bed early? and it just spread throughout everyone and it just became a part of the consciousness so like he might just be summing up common sense stuff, but in such a way that it became ingrained in the morals of our culture because everybody just was able to remember it. 
You know what I mean? And that idea of like being able to say, well, you know, a bird in the hand. It's like everybody knows what the rest of that is. It's it's very, you know, it's such a simple little thing that became so well known that it influenced society and culture just because it was memorable. So would you say that if Alexander Hamilton is the $10 founding father, that Benjamin Franklin is the viral writer founding father? Yeah, I very much say. Dude, he would he would just be dominating Twitter. I think 140 characters, yeah, succinct. Totally. Like, you know, a 10-word thing that everyone goes, ha, retweet. <laughs> like he would <laughs> he would be he would blow up on Twitter. He would be huge on social media. I need a little more appreciation for my 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 penning of his name. I just said you I, were right. I know. You are brilliant. I, I you must... are the modern day Benjamin Franklin. I just thought it was funnier than it's not. I guess it's not funny. It's kind of just witty. It's just true. Well, that's also a lot of Ben Franklin stuff. Is <laughs> you just read it and you go like, yeah, that's clever. But it's not really like laugh out loud, like rolling on the floor. You're not losing it. Someone's just going, uh huh, yeah, right yeah. on. Yeah. All right, I'll take it. Fair enough. Uh, so that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much. Um, and you know what? I hope everyone's having a safe uh, and happy holiday weekend. It can get stressful out there. We know. Um, but you know what? It's a it's a time to stop and take a breath and do something nice for yourself. How about that? That should be the new, like, Sunday tradition after American Thanksgiving is then, like, self-care Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Do something nice for yourselves. Um. If you would like to, you can follow us on Twitter at SchmannersCast, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S, cast. Um, you can join the Schmanners group on Facebook. Uh, check out all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. Uh, they're all incredible. If you like this show, uh, I highly recommend uh, Sawbones, Can I Pet Your Dog, One Bad Mother, Lady to Lady. There's just a ton of really great shows. Um, I'm on an upcoming episode of uh, Can I Pet Your Dog, talking about Buttercup and B.B. Lee. Um, so don't miss that. Should be up this Tuesday. Um, let's see what else. Well, our our other thank you notes, we want to thank Brent Bruntlefoss Black for our theme song, which is available for download as a ringtone. Um, also Kayla M. Wassel for our beautiful banner and thumbnail art. Um, let's let's throw a thank you out to Benjamin Franklin for doing what he did and doing it so well. Great job. And thank you for listening. Uh that's gonna do it for us this week. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.